Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about playtesting. We're talking about putting together a playtesting group, a group of wonderful people who have come together for one purpose, and that's making your game better. And we're talking to Dan and Connie Kazmaier, designers of the awesome game on Kickstarter right now, Chai. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks Thank so you much. for having us. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 tough. It's such bad news that games in uh, December don't fund on Kickstarter. And so uh, yeah, it's too bad about your game. It's done extraordinarily well on Kickstarter. Like, congratulations. I'm so excited for you guys. It's, it's <laughs> awesome. The game looks amazing. But, uh, you know, all the all the common wisdom for both of us, you know, both of us have funded games at this point. Uh, you yeah. know, it, it's 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 been crazy. I don't know. Did you expect the did you expect your game to fund the way it has, though? I uh, to be honest, we had no expectations as an yeah, designer. Um, we just had a really good community and yeah kind of hope for the best so our pledge goal is a little bit higher than what we had originally anticipated but yeah we're able to fund within 17 hours and starting to crank out stretch goals yeah very cool i'm excited to see where it goes over the next month or so and uh okay so before we really get into the topic tell me a little bit more about you know how you got into game design who you are that kind of thing sure um so uh i am actually a teacher by vocation Um, and, uh, I guess I got into game design because of Daniel, actually. Um, he started, I think it was about three years ago, just, uh, you know, buying lots of games and then we started playing it together and, uh, eventually one thing led to another and we began designing together. Yeah. I was actually, I guess, a semi-pro chess player for a good 15, 20 years. And I didn't know of any other game apart from Catan. Uh, it wasn't until maybe three years ago I started playing Puerto Rico. Um, met the designer of Carcassonne actually in Germany through a chess connection, but mm. didn't know too much about the game. And yeah, I just started diving in. I think I'm trying to remember uh, Lords of Waterdeep. That was the one that got me hooked. Mm-hmm. So yeah, our collection has already bloomed to like 300 games. Yep. <laughs> we um, have ideation and input as some of our strengths. So we just like admiring pieces, flipping through rule books looking at mechanisms or mechanics mm-hmm. and yeah one thing led to another i think that there's a game in every gamer and that happened to be us yeah very cool and both of you have a graphic design background as well right mm-hmm. yeah we were just saying yesterday even um i started dabbling way back in uh junior high high school and so yeah just it's been really nifty with this kickstarter campaign because we can whip up a banner or whatever we need um, without having to go to a graphic artist or yeah, yeah. we're more mm-hmm. into the I guess vector graphics mm-hmm. so we have two really talented illustrators um, one of them Sahana lives in just north of Bangalore India so she's great and we can work through the night if we have to with her and then yeah. here in town Mary she's a local city of Calgary illustrator so yeah just bringing all these things together has really helped 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, I got a quick question before we get into the, the main topic. How is it being married to your co-designer? Like give me the the like <laughs> pros and cons of that. Cause I've seen so many people be like, oh, I really want to find a co-designer. I can't make the schedule work. I can't, you know, it's right. a little easier when you're, you know, sitting across the ki- you know kitchen table from each other. You can kind of talk through game design, but tell me the pros and cons you guys have run into, you know, working with your, uh, your spouse on this kind of stuff. That's, you know, I've never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we're okay. We've been married three and a half years, but we're still sort of in the honeymoon phase, so we like to do everything together. <laughs> like if I go to the Canada post office, I'll be like, babe, can you come along? She'll be like, okay. So <laughs> we, we kind of do everything together and um, yeah, trying to make it fit. We both have unique tastes and Kanye has been really good at giving constructive feedback because you ask your mom or your grandma and they're like, yeah, this game's awesome, but um, Kanye can be pretty cool in a good way. Yeah, and um, prior to designing board games, we did other entrepreneurial pursuits as well. So we um, uh, do wedding photography together. And I think through that process, we also learned a lot about um, how our personalities work and what our strengths are and how to complement each other. So I think that's kind of where we're at. Um, It is tough, right? There's days definitely where (laughs) Daniel hasn't gone to bed for, you know, several, many, many hours, 18 hours or whatever. And um, I have to decide whether or not I'm staying up to support him or like how to figure out that balance of uh, getting stuff done. But um, I think this process has actually made us grow stronger as a couple. Yeah, right before we launched. I think we had pulled an all-nighter. I came in late from PAX in Philly. And, you know, we hit the launch button and took a big sigh of relief and realized <laughs> that, like, wow, we probably went through the most stressful thing in our marriage so far, just <laughs> getting ready for a launch. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Very cool. All right, well, let's jump into the topic at hand, creating an amazing playtesting group. Now, you guys have done this through Facebook, and I don't know, I don't know if there was something before that, but before we get into it, like, tell me about this group. Tell me like the stats, you know, the, the different numbers and, and data points about this playtesting group you guys have sure. nurtured and put together. Yeah. So we did a little bit of research. Um, I think it was first on Jamie Stegmeier's blog mm-hmm. that he mentioned having a private group being very um, important compared to a Facebook page, just because of the algorithms past couple of years have changed over where people don't get notifications when someone posts onto their Facebook page. So Yeah, we gave that a try, and the feedback has been really good. I think we're looking at about um, seven to 8,000 impressions a week, just from the 700 and now 800 playtesters in the group. Um, I think we're averaging about 12 comments on most of the bigger posts, Mm -hmm. and there's tons of personal messages as well, like someone wanting to help with the rule book or Mm -hmm. um, some kind of graphic change, that sort of thing. So even though... Not all of the engagement is seen in the Facebook group. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And sometimes they cross over into our other platforms as well, onto Twitter or Instagram. So we see the same names, the same people kind of popping up in different places. Yeah. There's a local playtester group here in Calgary that Roxy puts on. So just um, talking to different designers and figuring out how they've designed and helped with community engagement has helped probably... Our second largest group is on Instagram. We have about, I think, 7,500 followers. And we've decided, you know, quality content about games that we've played and enjoyed. We found the best way to design a game is just to play everyone else's games too. And that kind of acts as a catalyst for ideation and, you know, how to tweak a mechanic or something. So Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, we've done a little bit of innovation, but at the same time, you know, there's a small little thing from Seven Wonders or the tiles are like Azul. Um, yeah, you don't have to reinvent the wheel making a new game. Yeah, for sure. And just so I'm clear on this, this is 700 and something people in a Facebook group specifically to play test your game, right? It's not like your company's Facebook yeah. group. It's like just for the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think our page itself has about 900 likes, but the Facebook group that's private, the Tri Board Game Community, um, just went over 800 yesterday. Yeah, and this is for a game that doesn't even technically exist, exist yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is crazy. And so, like, tell me where in the world you found 700 and something people to yeah. be a part of this to help you make this game happen. So I'm more of a big picture guy. Connie's an executor. And I was taking notes on a James Hudson live stream. And he was saying, like, if you just want to make a game, if you, you know, want to make a re- the reality happen, you just, you know, have to hustle and... Uh, <laughs> you know, put in some hard work, find people that want to check out your game, that embrace the theme. Um, Yeah, so actually before we made a lot of the game, it was in the first stages or whatnot, we actually hired Mary to do the box art because James said that that was the biggest draw in terms Mm -hmm. of an art asset that'll bring people in. Yeah. So we had a couple different versions of it. We posted it on six or seven Facebook groups and probably got about three to 400 comments altogether. And I had messaged, or sorry, I'd put in the top of the post, like, if you're interested, we will message you. So over the course of probably two weeks, I messaged, yeah, probably 500 people. Mm-hmm. And all of them were quite eager. I'd say about 85 to 90% were eager to check out a print and play. So we quickly launched that and had dozens of people trying it out right away. Um, maybe Connie can talk a bit about the Google Drive that we created as well. Yeah, we actually made a playtester map um, and documented all the different plays across uh, the world, um, as well as our own. So when we went to Thailand this past summer, we were documenting those plays as well. Um, we also created on Google Drive um, a playtester feedback form as well. So um it gives us information that's all compiled into one place. Um, super efficient. Uh, yeah, it's. I think that part's been really good. Just listening to our playtesters and then using their feedback uh, to make some incremental changes. Yeah, very cool. Now, walk me through like the timeline of this stuff. So we're in December right now, and you just right. launched. You just funded on Kickstarter, and then so like walk me back through uh, kind of how this all came to be step by sure. step. Sure. Yeah, I think around, I want to say middle of March, I came back from a game design weekend, um, trying to make a little bit of a heavier euro. It's going to have miniatures and realize that, you know, as a first time indie, it's not going to work. You can't put up a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was a, a good but, realization right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was a fun game. And uh, my friend Paul from Roxley is like, yeah, I love it. You know, we can, there's got to be a lot of tweaks, but you're further along than what was expected. But I realized that it's totally not marketable, at least not at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I was brainstorming in the car. I'm like, hey, I think the world needs a tea game. <laughs> there isn't a family kind of tea game. And, you know, we love Seven Wonders and Splendor, Azul. There's got to be something that brings together people through games, but also maybe food or beverages. Mm-hmm. So in our rule book, we actually say to take a break between rounds and have a, a chai or a tea. <laughs> um, yeah, so a month later, we had... Um, just some different ideas going. Some friends tried it out totally different than what we have now, but 
at the time you think it's the greatest thing. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're on the hundredth iteration by now. Um, but we dive right into having that box art in about May. So a month or two months in, we had added our own graphics into the game. Um, there's a lot of good resources online. People can check out Canva or FreePick. Yeah, a lot of vector graphics that um, you can buy a subscription and you don't have to put attribution altogether. It's nice, but yeah, either way works very well. A lot of community playtesters, they actually prefer the original art, which is really surprising. So maybe we'll have it as an add-on or something, but either way, we had dozens of people helping out. And that went into our summer holidays. Do you mm -hmm. remember when we left to Thailand? I think we left beginning of August. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we brought Chai along. Our original box has been in Thailand, China, um, the States, Shucks in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, everyone who's played it is also in the game itself. So we're kind of writing down people's names on the side of the box. Nice. I think Scythe has that or, or Viticulture. Just trying to reward people for helping because, you know, they've made the game a reality, if you will, compared to if we had just done it by ourselves. Yeah, very cool. And now when you were going to all these different places, were you also like hitting up conventions and finding people or, or like anything offline to bring people into this group? Um. I mean, when we went to Thailand and China, we had actually, I think we missed some of the convention dates that yeah. were happening around the time, unfortunately. Um, so we met, um, we definitely uh, chatted with a bunch of people who were local, some game store owners. Um, four board game cafes. Mm -hmm, four board game cafes played the game there, um, talked to them about it. Um, we also... Uh, yeah, it was just really, really good to meet people and get that feedback cross-culturally. Um, I thought it was really interesting um, in North America, whenever we've played the game, um, people are really, um, what's the word? They they don't pick up as many resources during the game. But They're then a bit when, more efficient, efficient different mm -hmm. personalities of play styles. And then when we were in Thailand, um, people really like to keep their resources and their uh, stuff, so they would max out their player board. Um, and so even things like that really helped us understand um, how many components need to go in the game. Um, yeah, just getting that cross-cultural experience was really uh, invaluable. Because mm. um, Connie was teaching, I went out to Vancouver in Shucks, rented a booth with another local designer. I think there was about 2,000 people there, so not crazy big, but it was nice and comfy. And um, we had a lot of interest. Like People were lining up to play the game. Mm -hmm. They just really bought into the theme. And by then we even didn't have all of the final artwork, which we showed at PAX. So we've only been to a few conventions. We have a local one that has about 900 people called Falcon. So that's been uh, really supportive. But I think for us, it's mostly been that online community internationally. Mm -hmm. People just sharing it with their friends. Um, the print and play can also be um, played by kids. We've had six-year-olds play all the way to 70 year olds. So yeah, it's been really exciting that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now maybe I missed this, but did you, did you say when you put out the print and play? Sorry. Yeah. We did that right away. Just okay. from the get go. When you say right away, like when, when would that be? Um, like the second day that we made the game. Like a sprint in the springtime. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think there's some kind of proverb or wisdom that says you should, plant your fields before you build your barn. So we <laughs> That's a good point. Look yeah. at 
Kickstarter as the big barn, yeah. I guess, where you, you store all the crops or the backers that want to support you. And um, yeah, so we've just been community building for mm-hmm. a good seven, eight months. Like, we'll be honest with you, Gabe, we didn't have a Kickstarter page until like Saturday night heading into the campaign. Yeah. Just because we were so focused on, um, you know, the back of support and yeah. I was at PAX. I'm a bit of an eternal optimist too. So we had <laughs> probably too much going on. We're still updating the page every day. It, it's crazy. If we had to do this again, we would definitely plan a bit more in advance. But um, regardless, having that community support has helped fund it in the first few days. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that makes making a Kickstarter page much easier is failing the first time. Because all the stuff's already created. That's one thing I noticed about my relaunch. I was like, huh. I remember it was the the night before launch and it was like nine o'clock. And I'm like, huh, I think I'll go to bed because everything's done. Like everything was already finished. (laughs) Now the first go around, yeah, it was the same thing. It was like two o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh, I got to be at work in four hours. You know, and it was like, I got to go and stuff. Uh, Second time around, uh, much more uh, laid back, much easier to get things done. But all right. So what's that? Yeah. Like you've had a lot as well. Like we saw some reviewers and yeah. Smoky graphics, so yeah, congrats on funding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, appreciate it. No, that's that's one thing is is find other people to help you get this stuff done, and that's that's one yeah. thing. When people say, you know, oh, I'm it's taking me forever to make this Kickstarter page, it's like, well, I feel like you probably should have outsourced something. <laughs> like, find a graphic designer, find <laughs> other people to make these videos, and yet yeah, cost a little bit of money, but it's going to save you time, it's going to save you effort, it's going to save you stress, and it's probably going to look better than what you could come up with. Because I know the people that I paid money to make videos for different things do a much better job than I can do, and for so sure. I think that's another uh, way. To kind of do things. All right, let me. I'm gonna just kind of keep talking about this print and play thing. All right, so mm. when you put the print and play out, like how many mm. times had you actually play tested it before before putting out the files, asking other people to do it? Yeah, um, mm. I want to say like five times, probably. Yeah, maybe okay. five. Times, yeah, I, say. I mean, we're always working on games in our minds, so we're tweaking things. Mm-hmm. Um, it is quite different than what it is right now, but thematically, it's the same everyone's a tea merchant specializing in you know different kinds of tea um yeah just the way that it it flows out from um probably a time perspective too like we started having design specifications that we realized we needed to have so Mm. you can't have a two and a half hour family tea game (laughs) it has to be 20 to 60 minutes so you can sit down with um you know, Aunt Jill and the rest of the family and have a good Thanksgiving game. So, and and that goes into the product box design as well. We realized, Mm. you know, some of the most successful games out there today are the ones that are portable and you can bring around uh, to your local meetups or family events. We do the same thing too. Like there might be a a seven out of 10 game, but just because it's portable and the pieces are awesome, it becomes a a nine out of 10. Yeah. Cool. And now how many people, when you first put out the print play, how many people did you have to help you out with the testing? Yeah, locally we had a few dozen, but yeah. probably I want to say fifty people. Off okay, the which is still a lot, right? So, how did you find those people right there? Is this like, did you already did the box image and that kind of stuff already bring that fifty people in? It did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. And a lot of friends and yeah. some local playtesting groups. Um, yeah, we're just really fortunate um, to have such a strong community here, um, and then that kind of helped us launch the rest of the community. That's yeah, yeah cool. probably those 500 messages on Facebook. No joke. Right. Like people that were interested in the box site, <sighs> just, hey, saw that you were interested. And um, we had mentioned that you could message you if you liked it or commented. 
Um, would you be interested in the free print and play? You know, that was a good way to gather emails. Right. Um, we're probably at about 1,700 emails just through the giveaway that gave us 700 plus the previous mm-hmm. people, different cons. Um, yeah, people just really bought into the team, I think. Yeah, for sure. And this is a great way to collect emails, right? This is something that, that I've talked oh. to a lot of people and they're like, I don't know how to do this. Well, this is a great way to do it. Release some box art, you know, get people excited about something yeah. and then a print and play and then start gathering. And it's, again, it's like you're saying with, with James Hudson, it's just hustle. Are you willing to put in the time and the effort and energy to hustle? Are you willing to put in 500 messages to maybe get 50 out, right? And, <laughs> and, and be okay with that. But that's a, that's a great place to start. And like you said, you've got 700 and something now. So, I mean, it's worth the energy and the effort if you're willing to put it in. Yeah, I think he said... You know, what's it going to take to make your dream a reality? Do you have to put off maybe a vacation or, I don't know, sell your baseball cards? So for me, it was selling the Glory to Rome Black Box Edition. But, (laughs) you know, that paid for, I guess, the box art. So, yeah, yeah, just stuff like that. Like, I guess there's a cost in everything. And Mm -hmm. you're trying to um, do a step up in every action while maintaining the things that you've already made. So we feel like we're swimming a little bit, but maybe that's a good problem altogether like there's um, again hundreds of messages on instagram that we haven't applied to and um that kind of hurts because those are our fans from the community but um, we'll get to them soon at the expense of sleep (laughs) (laughs) right well that's the thing i think i've talked about it on the show in the past there's no solutions there's no such thing as solutions there's only trade-offs and so like there is no magical answer right it's never gonna be like okay i'm gonna do this and everything's gonna be perfect no i'm gonna do this and it's gonna break 10 other things it's gonna cause 10 other problems and am i willing to uh do this at at that expense right it's like we've been talking about are you willing to do this at the expense of your sleep or the expense of you know that really cool game you like but you could sell it on ebay for 200 bucks and and so making those trade-offs and determining is this goal is this dream worth it and it seems like it's paying off for you guys yeah, well, thank you. And even then, um, being kind of perfectionist in a way, right. you know, we see the gaps as well. So we focus so heavily on the group here on Facebook and then also on Instagram. Um, but then we kind of let our, our board game geek uh, site go a little bit. It's not yeah. as, uh, we're not as present on there as we would like to be. Um, so, I mean, we only have that 24 hours a day too, right? So yeah. you kind of have to focus and Try to do what you can. (laughs) Yeah. And just give yourself some grace too, because Mm -hmm. we are human and people respect that. I think that's a really large thing that um, we try to push as well. Like we're just Dan and Connie, we're indie designers, we're, um, you know, feeding elephants in Thailand. People have (laughs) mentioned that a few times connecting since. Like we really want to show our our personality and who we are and Mm kind of, yeah, just be ourselves. Awesome. Now, I want to talk about, you talk about um, tracking feedback with Google uh, Docs and different things like that. Give me more information about that. Like, what are some of the, the kind of specifics on how you track data and, and uh, testing feedback and, and that kind of thing? Is it just Google Forms or like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a Google Form that we based off of four or five other um, successful designers that had um, helped share a little bit of theirs. We use a thing called Bitly, just a, you know, a URL shortener. So every time someone clicks through, let's say there was bit.ly slash download chai, we could put that on posts that have the box art. We would put it on our Instagram, Twitter, and all that. And we could see from which countries people were clicking through and from where they were coming from. It's the same as Google Analytics. You can put that through as well and then create um, you know, a Facebook pixel or whatnot. We're still fairly new to all the analytics, but 
just knowing where people came through from Bitly was very helpful. Uh, we did have the map, as Connie mentioned. Mm -hmm. So we would update that every few weeks and did a monthly draw for a deluxe edition. Nice. So we would do a live um, kind of giveaway first weekend of each month. Mm -hmm. um, we probably got a good, you know, 30, 40 comments on each. A few hundred people would check in. We'd send out a MailChimp email, which is really important because not only can you put in bit.ly uh, URL shortener links onto pictures and whatnot, but you can track um, the amount of people that open things mm -hmm. and which specific people too. We haven't really gone into those details, but we could if we wanted to. So yeah. I think with data collection, you just want to gather as much as you can. And then as you need it, you use it. Um, we had probably a good 40% opening rate on emails. Mm -hmm. So we would just keep them light and short, um, filled with tea puns and pictures <laughs> about us because I think at the end of the day, no one wants to feel like they're being sold something. It's more of a journey for us. Yes, yeah, community. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. Right. And what, one thing I love, and this is something I, I just need to do better on my own side of things, is you incentivized playtesting. Like so often people say, totally. hey, does anybody want to playtest my game? And you did the same thing, but you said, hey, you want to playtest our game? And you might win a free one. And so it like, incentivizes people to, to be part of this because they might win free stuff. And I think that's a great way to do it. Totally, yeah. And even one of our playtesters today was posting about how uh, after playtesting, he really wanted to buy his game and he finally convinced his wife and then he won the game. So he was just so excited, right? Um, yeah, he so, still bought a copy. So. Yeah, it's really cool to see stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. And that guy becomes a raving fan. Like he's not just oh, yes. some random person, so even just a little bit of a fan. He becomes a raving fan that wants to tell other people about your stuff. And that, you know, that spreads out in some really, really cool ways and brings more people to your brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the incentivizing might have been a little bit overwhelming for people too. Like, well, you know, play the game with some family or relatives that are loosely connected and you'll mention, hey, um, this is a real play test. Would you like your name in the box? And people are like, whoa, like that's that's a bit too, too much, much for me to handle. <laughs> like, okay, well, do you want a sticker? Do you want a button? Uh, do you want to be entered into the monthly draw? So, um, yeah, just finding out what works for different people. And mm -hmm. um, again, we couldn't do this by ourselves. Like it's just crazy seeing the feedback so far. And that's only been made possible by people who printed it or um, probably had about 15 people help with the rule book. Um, right now there's about seven who are translating it to other languages like Polish, German, Spanish, French, Russian. So nice. yeah, really exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So let's talk about the challenges. What have been some of the challenges you've run into in managing this group or, or trying to do new things that maybe didn't work out? Give me that kind of feedback. I think from the very beginning, we were a little bit worried um, about launching the group so early and then, um, yeah, and then flopping <laughs> later, right? And, or, you know, or the dynamic would just kind of slow down. You know, people are super excited at the beginning, but then are they just going to not care through September to November? Um, and then by the time we launch the game, is it too far away from the launch? Right. Um, I think yeah. for us, we didn't totally see too much of a dip although i think in august or something there was a little while where we were a little bit nervous that that was the trend yeah we were on vacation so yeah <laughs> we would post like once every other week and that wasn't enough to keep the energy going yeah. um i think james hudson said you know a good two to three months out show your box art and then show the components you know have like a very systematic way of sharing things and um, we'd probably be better off launching in October, but the game just wasn't done mm -hmm. by then. So 
we probably did a bit too much community building, at least on that side of things with the timeline. But um, again, we had no expectations and it wasn't until maybe September we realized, you know, we should probably self-publish this. We've had some feedback from other publishers who are interested, but that takes two to three years altogether. And mm -hmm. uh, we want to have kids down the road. So let's quickly try to release this thing around Christmas and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Kickstarter is kind of a low risk, high reward platform. Yeah what you put into marketing and um, the art itself. Well, as a person who did launch in October, uh, you made a good choice in uh, waiting. <laughs> October was crazy <laughs> with so many gigantic uh, campaigns. Yeah. So I think December for, for games like yours, games like mine, uh, were a better choice. And it's, it's so frustrating. People are like, oh, don't do it in December. It'll never work. It's yeah, like, yeah. well, I mean, I did it in October and it didn't work. And so let me try something different, you know? And so I feel like was actually a, a better way to go for, for both our games. Uh, mm -hmm. All right. So looking at replicating this, like, are you working on another game and you're going to kind of try to do the exact same thing? Like, what does this look like going down the road for other projects? Yeah, it's totally fair. Uh, I think, you know, if Chai continues to do well and a lot of retailers or board game cafes um, embrace it because it might be successful in that regard, we might do a retheme. A lot of people want to, you know, see a coffee game. Coffee, yeah. Yeah, whatever beer, you call it. Beer, you know? Yeah, someone mentioned that um, this morning. Um, maybe a bubble tea expansion. People have asked about that. There, there's so many different ways you could take it. So we're just focusing on chai for the time being. And yeah, um, yeah we have that earlier miniatures game, um, sort of like submarines and scythe. But that would be down the road. It'll take another year to develop. Um, yeah, we have a few others, but nothing too solid at the moment. Right. So do you plan on, on doing the same thing, like release a box and then that whole, the same time frame? Right. I think we'll, we'll do that, probably tweak it a bit and make it a bit faster. Because once you have a bit of a, a fan base of sorts, like people will um, step in and help you along the ride. So yeah, we probably keep most of it the same. Just now that we know what we're doing and we've engaged on the Kickstarter platform and um, done art direction, all these little micro skills, if you will, I think we're better prepared for the next time. Yeah, definitely. Now, is there anything you would change? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, the Kickstarter page for sure, that would be one, getting that done earlier. Um, I think with how our community grew, I honestly don't have too many regrets. Um, I think maybe, yeah, the Board Game Geek page, focusing a little bit more on that um, and building that community up um, would be really nice for the next game or project i think yeah going back to the kickstarter page mm -hmm. we should have had a preview link up two three weeks ago totally. that we could send to you know industry specialists mm -hmm. just getting some good feedback on that um the print and play i think we would probably keep the same amount of art as we did but continue making changes more um quickly so we've only released it three times over seven months but we've probably you know done 50 or so iterations. So not being afraid to release newer updates just to get people engaged in that regard. You might have some people upset where they just printed the game and you know you release another version the next week with some changes. But um, yeah, I think we would have been more focused on the actual game development, if you will, in addition to the community instead of it flipped the other way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, is there anything about the the actual group, the playtesting Facebook group, that you would change right. or do differently for another project? We had a couple moderators 
but we didn't talk about expectations all the time. So um, yeah, they were super supportive and they would come in occasionally, but I think to take a bit of workload off of us, again, mm -hmm. being perfectionists and needing to um, outsource things, I think we could have empowered people within the community to help. Um, yeah, we had a bit more artwork as well coming in. I think we could have built the hype a bit more in November, just releasing things in advance. Again, James Hudson putting up the component image two, three weeks from the Kickstarter launch and then doing a massive uh, Facebook post or something. We could have had people within the group, you know, get excited and then tell their friends that this game's coming out and instead of leaving it to the last minute, more or less. Yeah, very cool. Now, what would, what advice would you give, you know, someone who's sitting there thinking, man, I just, I can't find playtesters, I can't do this, like, what does it look like? What would you tell somebody that they've got a game, they're excited about it, but they can't find people to play it and they want to kind of recreate your success? Um, I think I would say go find people locally. So go to a meetup, go to um, playtester groups, build up that confidence first, listen to their feedback, um, make the necessary changes. And then when you are feeling confident, um, go and launch it, um, you know, on a website, try to start that group. And I think like Daniel said, um, just, you know, keep going with the hustle. So um, go into the bigger groups and you know, yeah, be, bold. Be, be bold. Yeah, be confident about it um, and message people. You have to ask, right? So if you don't ask, you, you just won't get the answers. You won't get the people. Yeah, um, a giveaway for us was big where mm -hmm. we gave five or six games away that were similar to our game. Yeah, And this was still at the time that we were playtesting. So it rewarded people that were helping, brought in a couple more hundred people. Um, just be creative. I think the industry has a lot of um, room for people to just try new things. I mean, we're going to do, I think it's a chai party. That's one of our stretch goals that we'll do this weekend. We have some surprises with that. So people are just looking for others that are, are trying new things and, and that adds to the excitement mm -hmm. with um, the chai party we're hoping to do it over um some kind of video service and then have people be able to just join in with the link so if you connect your campaign with things like that to what you've already done with your play testers mm -hmm. being the live um, streams then there's quite a seamless overlap from okay where we're play testing we're trying out dan and Connie's game oh now we're in the kickstarter phase this is awesome um, some things are changed, but not all together. I think, um, yeah, people should set up a WordPress website or some other um, kind of splash page just to start collecting mm -hmm. emails so that when you do meet someone interested, you can slip them a business card or a, a bit.ly URL, that sort of thing. It should just be painless for people to find your game and to be able to download it and then do a feedback form. It's kind of like a, a pipeline or a funnel. And I think for us, uh, one thing that was important was to give back. So uh, being generous um, by giving away copies of the game, by, um, you know, rewarding the, uh, the, uh, the playtesters. Um, and then when we thought about leading up to the campaign, how could we be generous? Um, we wanted to do a, a sharing, um, what's it called? A win a copy of Chai, get one to share. Right. Um, so, copy, share a copy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so people came and they shared their stories about why somebody else deserves a game. And we love reading those stories. It's all people speaking from the heart um, about people, the uh, lady who won actually, um, her best friends across the country. And 
they connect every year, once a year, but during the year they would uh, mail each other caffeinated um, products of whatever sort. So I just, I love that because it, it totally, it it gets what chai is, right? So it's not just a game. It's a a game to bring people together to um, build that community and uh, yeah. And friendships as well. Yeah. Very cool. No, I love that. I think that's really awesome. It, it builds community, but it like it really builds community. It, it's more than just like hanging out. It's like people getting to know each other on a deeper level, exactly. which is really what exactly. you Exactly. And it's not a combative game either <laughs> in the greatest sense. So it's not tearing apart friendships or marriages. Right? Right. Now, one yeah. quick question about the giveaway. So you said you brought a few hundred people in through giveaways. Now, how many mm-hmm. of those people really converted into actual like play testers versus people just there to get free stuff? Right. Um, I think going back to the seven points of marketing, if you can have people interact in different parts of your campaign or your playtesting, we've had tons of people message recently saying, oh, I totally forgot to do the print and play, but I'm backing. But they were given the print and play as well. So I think whether or not people are, are trying it or they're fully engaged in the process, they're still part of the process. Um, they've seen banners or one of the giveaways, just hitting them at different um, data points really helps um, make a cohesive brand, if you will. So I think in our group altogether, at least for the play testers, we're looking at about 50% of the members. Like there's a few lurkers. I'm a lurker as well in a lot of groups, Um, but a lot of the play testers have had family members try it or relatives. So yeah, there's hundreds of unique, people that have tried it outside of the group. Awesome. Well, guys, really appreciate your time. I mean, we've been talking about the game the whole time, but give me like the quick elevator pitch for anyone who hasn't seen the campaign. Like what's the two minute spiel? Uh, yeah, basically Chai is just a, an immersive game about tea. It's a family strategy. Ella from Man vs. Meeple said it's like a light medium Euro, but you could probably compare it to like Splendor or Azul level. And Central there's puzzle Spicer. components. Um, there's a you know set collection. Um, it's just really fun. There's so many very different things that you can do. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're just trying to complete and fulfill customer orders. Everyone's a tea merchant. Whether your speciality is mm-hmm. oolong, black, green, rooibos, or um, white tea, and you're completing cards that have different flavor requirements. So you might have to add mint, lemon, jasmine, lavender, berries, that sort of thing. Throw in some ginger. And then we have a little pantry that you can restock or you can grab items like Mm -hmm. honey, sugar, milk, uh, vanilla, or chai spice. So you're just concocting these different blends or brews, if you will, in your tea house, fulfilling cards for points and interacting a bit with each other because you can fulfill other customer cards. Probably the most innovative part is that puzzle mechanic Tony was talking about. So you can buy different um, flavor tiles for different points but if they're connecting tiles you get them for the same amount of money so people like that a little bit very cool what's the player count in time uh one to five we have um some additional solo stretch goals right now with dice but there's co-op two for two to three player and plays up to five and under an hour mm-hmm. awesome well guys again really appreciate uh, you coming on the show good luck with the rest of the campaign it's doing amazing i hope it just continues to to boom and flourish and good luck with all the other projects you got going on right now Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?